Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of APIs Unplugged. My name is Matt McClarty. I'm the global leader of API strategy for MuleSoft and happy to have you here. And, and as always, very happy to have Mike Amundsen co-hosting. Mike, what's new? Not much. I'm still doing the same old, same old here in Kentucky, taking it a day at a time and loving every minute of it. <laughs> 2020 continues into September now. Uh, so today's topic is something that we've explored a little bit in the past on the podcast, uh, really getting inside uh, API product companies and companies that offer API products. And so we're really delighted to have Christine Spang, co-founder and CTO of Nihilus, joining us. Christine, welcome to APIs Unplugged. Thanks. It's super great to be here. I'm excited to be on the show. Awesome. So uh, I think that it, it, this will come out in your introduction because, uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about Nihilus and what you're offering. Uh, but what, you know, what's your background in the whole API space, even, even prior to founding Nihilus? Yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of the quick background of myself is um, I grew up kind of always wanting to be some sort of engineer and wanting to build stuff and uh, ended up taking that to MIT, where I did a degree in computer science. Um, and I got really into operating systems while I was doing my degree there. And um, that kind of actually led me to the startup world, because um, I had a couple friends uh, who were a couple years ahead of me at MIT who actually started a, an operating systems uh, startup that was building some, some kernel technology for Linux. Um, and so I, I had thought about sticking around MIT for a master's degree, but actually ended up uh, putting that aside and joining these friends startup um, as my first foray into the world of entrepreneurship. So kind of came from like uh, being really into engineering and building stuff. I got into open source uh, and sort of the Linux community when I was uh, in high school, um, kind of through gaming. Um, and took that uh, to MIT and then um, got the kind of like full introduction to like the life cycle of a company through this kind of little spinoff company called K-Splice, um, which I joined straight out of college. And it was a bootstrapped company. So it was like, everything was like really scrappy um, and got to see the whole life cycle from, you know, building the product, you know, building revenue, growing it to, uh, the founders ended up selling the company and a successful transaction to Oracle. Um, so mm -hmm. I was over there for a couple years helping transition the team. Um, and that kind of gave me the the startup bug. Um, so kind of like this deep tech background. And um, the way that I got interested in APIs was I, I had another friend from MIT. It turns out it's a great place to to meet people who are into, yep. com into computer stuff, um, who as a part of his undergraduate thesis project, he was, he's trying to build a tool that essentially like pulled data from your mailbox and combined it with um, contextual information from the MIT student directory so that you could essentially have like a custom browser that was like, you know, giving you like metadata and this wow. contextual information about who you were talking to, um, which this was back in um, sort of like 2010 era. Um, and so like none of this existed at the time. It was, it was completely non-existent. Um, 
So kind of when I got to the point where things were in a good place uh, after the the case place acquisition, I was really looking for my next thing to do and was just like in a good place in my life to kind of try something wild that may or may not work out. So I ended up um, just uh, diving into this uh, idea with a friend. Um, he basically found that like the APIs and the tools that you had to use to just like access basic data from a mailbox were kind of really arcane, old, complicated. Um, it just took way longer to do really simple things than you'd expect. Um, so that's kind of where the initial seed for this uh, company came. And it basically just, it made sense that the way to solve this problem was to kind of layer on like a modern API over all of this historical complexity. Email's really old. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, 50 plus years old. It actually was invented, you know, before like web browsers, like before mm -hmm. you could type in, you know, www. Uh, whatever what those old search engines were. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, before you could do that, you know, you could send an email to somebody. Um, and so computing's obviously changed a ton in that time and um, sort of new functionality has been added on over layers and just kind of the nature of, of email. It's, it's basically this global distributed system um, at this point with, you know, hundreds of thousands of servers that are kind of powering this, this worldwide infrastructure. Um, and this kind of grown up a few major different kind of server families, which are completely different implementations built by different people. And then kind of on the client side, there's, you know, an order of magnitude, more clients. And so, well, there's all some, you know, open specifications that are kind of gluing all this stuff together. Um, just the fact that there's so much diversity in the ecosystem and so much history means that, you know, human language is not a perfect way to to sort of encode behavior. And uh, even if it were, um, you know, we're human. And so implementing that and trying to translate that to code into a working system, um, that ends up inevitably being differences and edge cases and, you know, things that don't work quite the way that you'd expect them to work. Um, so there was this hard problem and like the natural solution was to build an API around that. And that's really how I, I got into the API world. That, that's that, that's really fascinating because because I was sort of thinking the same thing like where did this come from how did this start we were talking beforehand you you sort of had this notion of you know inbox was really kind of your target in the beginning uh, I, I totally agree that people sort of forget that pop 3 and SMTP were these protocols before HTTP before all these other things and they they sort of represent another era sort of a pre web era of the way to do things. I'm fascinated to hear you talk about, you know, what you were trying to do and how you tackled the problem. I'm just curious, just from the, from the nerd side, did you end up like going down to the, to the protocol levels again, or did you end up mostly focusing on in aggregating or integrating some of the other APIs people had already built on top? Yeah, so we didn't like build any new protocols. We decided basically that we wanted to kind of meet web developers where 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 mm -hmm. their expectations were so right. when we got the company started that was like a hundred percent like rest apis mm -hmm. um so you know we decided we we're just going to build a rest api over top of um you know all these existing systems and so we didn't like 
implement a new protocol, but we did have to go and figure out how all these old protocols work and make some architectural decisions about how our system was going to um, essentially integrate with all these other systems. And, you know, there were definitely some like sort of tough, like company changing um, uh, decisions to be made there. Um, And the big one was that we actually decided that, you know, we essentially kind of built this API front end and then we built this sort of background fleet of machines that we call our sync fleet, which essentially has like integrations with each separate protocol that um, that these mail servers actually actually use to expose their data. So we first built um, an integration for this protocol called IMAP just kind mm-hmm. of the successor to pop three. Luckily, yep. luckily we never had to build a pop three integration. <laughs> Some people have asked us to not like recently, but well, we told yeah. them no, because <laughs> well, for one pop three is like, yeah, it's well, I, I don't know if we need to go into all the details. <laughs> the basic gist is that it's, it's designed for downloading mail and yep. doing that once. So yep. It's like hard to, I, I mean, later versions have like a mode where you can leave it on the server, but um, it just wasn't a good fit. And luckily, you know, we were, we were kind of beyond that in the, in the history of email protocols. So we could afford to just say no. Um, yeah, but that's, so we, that's, that's, I'm yeah. sorry. That, what, what fascinates me is you, you sort of have built this integration layer. You sort of designed the API that humans would need or the design, the API that interact makes sense interactive wise, and then sort of back built to connect all these other pieces. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, we wanted the, we wanted the objects that we were Mm -hmm. serving over the API to be really simple and understandable. And so we basically designed that piece of it first and I had to figure Mm -hmm. out how to build the back end in order to support that um, rather than being like, what, what is even possible by, you know, kind of going from the, the provider connection first. And I think that's something that like has a ton of value for the developer because there's, there's definitely other API companies out there that have really focused on kind of just like the connection and kind of like the glue piece, but Mm -hmm. there's this whole kind of piece of complexity that's actually kind of uh, standardizing the data that, Um, takes a huge amount of kind of developer uh, like brain power and and effort, which um, we kind of just made it go away by starting yeah. with this like really clean design um, and and designing what, like what are the key parts of these sort of core kind of communication data types? You know, it's email, and then later we added calendar and we added contacts. Um, and going backwards from there and just kind of developing the architecture such that we would do the translation and sanitizing of the data on our end and offload that from the developer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, we, we talk a lot about the importance of putting yourself in the consumer's shoes, and it sounds like you did exactly that. And, and you know, if the theme is talking about APIs as products, you know, it sounds like you already had in mind look, one of the things we want to do for developers is make things really easy to use. Yeah. Uh, It's um, kind of interesting um, that uh, it just, it's not something that we even really sort of 
thought twice about at the time. It's just like, oh, obviously we need to do this. But then <laughs> yeah. actually later on, kind of in the company's history, um, we we actually brought on team members from some other companies that had done things very differently and yeah. had completely sidestepped this like data sanitization and standardization. And there were just like so many problems that kind of fell from that. And they were honestly kind of blown away how fast people could integrate with our APIs just because we did that for them. And so it's like, well, like our products may be a little more expensive and heavier to run, but the value is, is yeah. so much more. Exactly. I, I think the, um, you know, the, the fact that you were already coming from an empathetic place of, Hey, you know, we're trying to, or you're, 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 partner there was coming from the place of I had to try and solve this problem for myself and it was painful. So, Hey, maybe this is a problem that other people have, but I'm, I'm interested looking at the, you know, understanding it's pretty well-known problem and it's something you'd experienced, but what about like the types of customers that you're seeing? Is it, did you start out targeting a specific customer base or did that kind of happen organically? Like, who are the, the different types of customers using the product and, and what problems are they trying to solve? Yeah, for sure. We, we really developed this sort of sense of who are kind of in the sweet spot for our, our customers um, organically. Um, I mean, basically in the early days, like the way that we sort of got stuff out there is we um, – like as an API company, there was kind of a chasm we had to cross in terms of like uh, developing trust with people who are going to build on top of us. You know, when you're a brand new player, it's like people are like, oh, it seems a little risky to build my new product on top of this tiny little company. Um, mm. So what we did was uh, we we actually shipped uh, an early version of our product uh, in a completely open source fashion. So, you know, folks could kind of get comfortable, look at the code and, you know, there was like an option for them if suddenly we disappeared. Um, so that's kind of how we got the first customers was just, but we did like a, some press around that um, when mm -hmm. we released it and, and like sold kind of the vision of, of what we were thinking of in terms of like how connecting to, specifically email at the time needed to be modernized and we got a good response from that. We found our first leads from that. Um, and, you know, being based in the Bay area, um, like we basically just like had people come over to our office or like we went over to their office, we helped them build stuff. Um, right. And then kind of how the company has grown has really been, it's really been inbound driven. Like we didn't sort of sit back and, and think about like, you know, who, who would be like the best person to use this API. We really kind of like harvested this inbound interest that sort of told us like these kinds of people will find this really useful. And then we sort of pattern match based on who was showing up at our door to go and find more people like that. Um, so I guess kind of the, maybe the first vertical that Nihilus really took off in was kind of broadly speaking, what you might call like CRMs. Um, mm -hmm. But even within, you know, uh, like what people call, might call a CRM, there's like a lot of different sort of subcategories and like a lot of different tools could be called a CRM, but these days they're called something different, like, um, like an applicant tracking system 
And it's basically like, you know, a database of people you're talking to about something with some like workflows on top of that. Like for an applicant tracking system, that's like a recruiting workflow. And like the customers are really um, applicants um, for kind of like, like HR management, the customers are like employees at the company. Um, and there's a lot of sales use cases where, you know, the, the customers are sort of like, you know, outbound outreach. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like a ton of what knowledge workers do is communication. And there's sort of a ton of different flavors of, of what that looks like. And they all have like specific kind of workflow so like there's hundreds and thousands of tools for you know specific kinds of crm type workflows um and every single one of them needs to embed in kind of communication integration and scheduling mm-hmm. and so um we found that that was like a really natural fit for our product early on and so we we did a lot of sort of pattern matching on that to kind of find people who would really benefit from the product. That's yeah, that's, I mean, that's really fascinating. What, one of the things that Matt and I talk an awful lot about in these podcasts are sort of value exchanges. Like you, what is the value exchange for you? What is the value exchange for your customer? What are they getting? What are you getting? And, and one of the things that I'm kind of hearing is that when you talk about you, you have a lot of sort of inbound uh, uh, business it's, it's sort of like you're matching a, a customer need and then they must be telling you, you must be listening pretty well in terms of figuring out, oh, hey, there's, there's this other use or this other need. I know when you build a platform like you have, like you said, there are just thousands and thousands of possibilities. So, so those choices that you're making on what you're enabling and what you're focusing on, that's really driven by customers, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think this is one of the really magical parts of building platforms, which is like, yeah, we get surprised all the time by the kinds of things that people show up and want to build. It's like not our job to figure out every single possible thing that people could possibly find this useful for. It's very horizontal. Um, so we've been able to kind of you know, by having these active conversations with the people who are showing up and building, it's it's really informed even like the product direction in a very key way. And like the way that we kind of look at the world and the way that we've kind of crafted the vision for where we're going in the long term. Yeah, that's a that's a phrase that I use very often because I've been involved in a few of these platform operations too. It's you're you're building a system to be used by people you've never met to solve problems you've never thought of, right? It's a vast space, and it's a very different approach to 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 kind of how you how you create stuff that's usable for others, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I I really feel like um, you know like. I don't want to be Steve Jobs in a corner, like, you know, meditating and coming up with like humanity's next great invention. Um, it's definitely been more of a, a collaborative process. Sometimes, you know, we have like hunches of what people want and then like, you know, we go out and kind of validate that, but it's always been, you know, very iterative with, um, you know, the, the developer population and the community really involved. Um, and like, we wouldn't have extended to calendar and contacts if like, you know, we hadn't had people who like basically need to do those things. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and really kind of our vision today, you know, we really talk about um, like powering the communication layer of the tech stack and thinking about communication and sort of like productivity and workflows and not like email specifically. And that's, that's because right. the customers who show up our, at our door, they, you know, they love like the experience of, of integrating with what we have. And then they're like, you know, we want to reach our customers the people we're trying to talk to, like wherever they are, like, you know, how, how, how do I send, you know, reach them on their phone, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so yeah. we've, we've really taken that and sort of broadened the vision just because of the conversations that we've had with our customers. Yeah. It's, it sounds a lot like you know, jobs to be done thinking we're, we're always going on about Clayton Christensen and, uh, and thinking about what problems your customers are trying to solve, not, not what your products do today. So it sounds bang on there. Yeah. yeah. One, one question I have related to that feedback, I think with APIs as products, one of the unique aspects is, is how developers are your direct customers. But like, are you, are you just hearing from the developers at at your clients or are there other roles that you're commonly seeing as being involved in those conversations? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely like different personas that we think about um, and, and different folks that we talk to. There's, uh, the developer, which is obviously like a key stakeholder um, that we really look to kind of be our champion. You know, they're the ones that are you know saving time and effort. Um, but we also, we talk to product managers. That's a really big thing. Um, and they get really excited about kind of just being able to ship product faster and kind of go to market faster. And then um, kind of depending on the size of the company, we might be talking at various levels of kind of the executive chain as well. I guess even some of our larger deals, you know, we've gone like straight up to the CTO because um, people really look at it as kind of a strategic long-term partnership because, you know, they're essentially kind of powering major features of their products based on us. And that's, you know, that's a big commitment. Um, so like, the the executives at these companies really want to to meet and kind of you know talk about how we can align over periods of years it's not just like you know you buy something and then you use it yeah yeah that's 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 really something so so that that's another thing though to this aligning over the years that is a big commitment to it's a big commitment for a customer but it's also a big commitment for you it's sort of a commitment you're making as well. I know you you said in the beginning you focused a lot on HTTP REST as kind of the 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 way to to go. Are you getting requests now for other sorts of communication patterns like GraphQL or gRPC or or you know async APIs of, of any kind? It is from that technical side, kind of going back to some of the technical elements. Is that a you see any of that going on or is it pretty stable right now? Still focusing on this rest idea. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that like rest is still extremely ubiquitous and mostly nobody complains about having to use it. Um, but I think that the thing that is um, kind of most key about what we're doing in terms of like how you consume the API is really uh, like we're basically um, for a lot of use cases, essentially what people are doing with our APIs, they're, they're like subscribing to kind of a stream of, of data changes. Um, it's like what's happening in this mailbox. Maybe you want to filter that in some way, but 
oftentimes people are like automating workflows that change. Like when a new message comes in, they want to check and see like, you know, should I prompt this user um, to take some different action in, you know, my sales automation platform or, you know, whatever other tool um, they're using that is powered by Nihilus. So there's kind of this key concept of having a data stream um, mm-hmm. in our infrastructure that we're working on ways to essentially better expose that data stream to people in ways that doesn't involve patterns that don't scale well, um, such as like, you know, polling and HTTP API. Um, And we also have, you know, the ability to kind of get webhook notifications about new events, but sometimes that can be at really, really quite high volume. Um, And so in the longer term, we'd we'd love to be able to have people, you know, just um, be able to tap right into the data stream in kind of a native way with some of the the more uh, more modern technologies that you know essentially expose an event stream, um, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, is especially common if, for example, you're um, like trying to train data models based off of the data. Um, mm-hmm there's like pretty standard um, ways for kind of integrating with kind of different data inputs. So I would say that's kind of the, the space in which we're really looking to, to make things better. It's like a lot of people want to, you know, apply some, you know, machine learning. It's, it's about kind of um, making common workflows easier. And like step one of that was like, let's automate drudgery in terms of like getting the information in the same place at the same time. Um, and like not having to kind of copy paste stuff from different tools or like automatically add like a BCC or things like that. Just like having all the information together with the contacts is pretty powerful. But beyond that, there's kind of um, this next layer that, um, it's sort of evolving with um, like the the ML AI landscape where you know, we really want um, these tools to kind of you know make every single user uh, more powerful, more effective. Um, and you know a lot of this sort of like model training can can help with that kind of stuff. so and you know, there's a lot of demand for it. so that's definitely a focus uh, for, for how we can um, evolve, how you consume, uh, what our API is doing on the back end. Yeah, so, so that's actually, you know, I just got schooled right there, right? Because I talked to you, about, I asked you about sort of low-level technical stuff, right? And immediately you sort of brought the conversation back around to, well, when it comes to machine learning and, and consuming these kinds of things, right? It's, it's again, it's that, it's that customer focus, that consumer yeah. focus. I love it's that. My, Thank you very much. It's yeah. my CTO moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super. It's excellent. I, I've learned that over many years. <laughs> very good. Carefully very honed. Good. Yeah. Bring it up a level. Well, what's, you know, one of the, one of the underserved areas, I think, in the API industry has been sort of how do, I think if people know about a particular API and they know they want to use it, they can go and oftentimes find the tools to use it, or, you know, whatever code samples and all the links and access methods. But with, for your customer base or potential customer base who maybe they don't know about the service that you provide, like... How, are you? Do you have any insight into how customers are finding the service? That because I think one of the challenges 
not just for Nihilus, but for any API product company is just people having the awareness that this type of service exists. Like, do you, do you know where people are discovering it? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, even from the beginning when we had, uh, so it, it would maybe be helpful for a minute to cover just like a couple twists and turns in the company's history. Sure. Um, so you know, the first product that we built was really this, you know, email abstraction API and then we built calendar and then we built contacts. Um, but basically we didn't really know uh, at the beginning that like kind of that was going to be like the thing that was the thing. Um, so we actually spent a couple years. Um, we built an, a very extensible email client that was backended to these APIs that essentially you could build these like rich plugins into. Um, and the short story on this um, is called Nihilus Mail. Um, you know, was that it, it really flopped as kind of like a commercially successful product, cool product, didn't make any money. Um, and kind of the idea there was like, you know, we weren't sure that like the data layer was like the right thing. And we were like, well, you know, front end is hard too. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe people want to just be able to build even kind of lighter weight integrations. But, you know, I think kind of, it was a good learning experience, um, but I think that kind of what we learned from that was that um, like people don't want to kind of build their product into somebody else's product. Um, you know, they want to, to own the end-to-end experience and to kind of be able to embed these features seamlessly into like the product you reach by going to www.mycrm.com. Um so we ended up spinning that off as just like an open source project. Um, you can still download it and use it today. Um, and, uh, but the reason that kind of this is relevant is that we got a ton of people to download and check out that mail client. And so for a long time, our like web traffic was like really kind of dominated by like people who were looking for the mail client. Um, mm-hmm. So we actually kind of had to spend a couple years um, sort of uh, like, I mean, I think the normal way to do this is like you change your name and then you start <laughs> branch, but we didn't do that. So um, we essentially had to kind of like pivot the brand a little bit um, to make sure that the people who are showing up at our website and signing up for accounts were in the right place. Um, so we invested quite a lot in, you know, like publishing content. Um, and, uh, again, like the business has been really inbound focused. And so it's like, right. we, people find us by like reading a thing that we wrote about email, about calendaring, about like from our engineering blog, about, um, you know, anything that we're kind of uh, experts on that we're kind of putting out into the world. Uh, we run advertising campaigns though right. in the beginning that was like, we didn't really run a lot of advertising campaigns like a couple years ago because again, like our, we, like we needed to shift the brand to make sure that like we weren't wasting money on the wrong audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that transition is like mostly complete at this point. And it's just, you know, it took a while to kind of, move things over. Um, and, but like, 
I think with kind of this like developer audience and, you know, with something that does like require a fair amount of investment, um, we focus primarily on building the brand and pulling people in through that. Um, so we, we do run kind of, uh, like marketing campaigns and ad ads on like things you might search for if like you're trying to solve a problem, um, that we might be able to help you with, but we're, there's not really like a, a word like people, people know that they need something, but there's not like, like a name for it that they can just type into a search engine. So we kind of have to like come at it from lots of different angles and kind of gather like a large wide net of folks. Um, but yeah, basically they end up uh, at our website mostly. Um, and then we have been building up kind of more of a, uh, go out and tell them about it presence mm-hmm. um, in the last year or so because um, we have enough information at this point about like the people this works for the people that it's value for and it's mm-hmm. funny like as an engineer kind of like I feel like engineers always kind of are a bit skeptical of, at sales but <laughs> yeah. we hired this amazing <laughs> VP of sales uh, last year and in his first couple of months, I went with him. Uh, this is pre-COVID, so you know you could like fly places. <laughs> um, like we showed up at a at like you know some medium-sized company and had a meeting on the books and walked in. And I just like watched this guy like you know to this like mid-level VP at this company like basically explain the problem. Uh, map out how we could be really helpful to uh, their company and like got to the point when like 30 minutes of like the guy being like, Oh yeah, this could be really useful. Um, we're definitely going to look into this it might fit well on our roadmap this year. And I was just like, my engineer's mind just completely exploded. <laughs> um, the because, magic of sales is as mysterious as the magic of engineering is to sales. Yeah, people, but sure, like, right? there's a lot of really busy executives out there that like um, actually do appreciate when like you bring a really relevant thing to your doorstep, and yep. like the engineering perspective is very much like you know, get off my lawn, don't call me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but it works, and uh, yeah. and people like it if it's relevant. So. Um, a lot, a lot of business gets done that way. So it's definitely been yeah. a learning that I've learned through this company. So I, I think you've kind of told some of this already, but, uh, we like to ask a question like, what are some of the biggest surprises or the lessons learned or the, oh my gosh, kind of things you've been at this a while, right? You've been at this yeah. for several years. Like yep. what, what, yeah, what are things seven. that really, yeah, seven years now, 2013, years. right? That's fantastic. Yeah, 2013. So, what what are those things that you know now you go like wow that uh, that was amazing that was a surprise a few things that come to mind like some early lessons were that like um like a couple things happened in like the first year or two that like we were really convinced we we're gonna like kill the company when we first heard about them but they totally <laughs> didn't um for example, Google released an email client called Inbox when the company was still called Inbox. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and um, we're just like, they're coming after us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they came up with that name, not even knowing yeah. what this tiny startup in San Francisco was. Um, but um, 
I'm basically like from that we, we just decided we're like well we can't compete on seo with google so that's how we changed the name to nihilus actually oh wow we had to yeah. we had to do it quickly yeah so <laughs> well I, I love that you point out the stuff that you thought when it first happened when you you thought was going to kill the company right yeah but it did it didn't yeah did. it got a little jumpy and um yeah Google also like released a REST API for mm -hmm. Gmail, like in the very early days of the company. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think it took quite a while for that to kind of stabilize and, and get some adoption. But, um, you know, I think that like those kind of developments, like you, you learn that like you have to make sure you stay one step ahead. It's like, yes, if every single a person who used email were on Gmail and like just had this API available, like maybe it wouldn't make sense to use something like Nihilus. But um, there's like a lot of value in this abstraction and this simplification mm -hmm. um, and just having one endpoint. And you know, that sort of really kickstarted us into thinking about like, you know, how can we provide even more value than just this like connectivity layer into the data? So um, you know, you have to keep evolving with the ecosystem, but I think maybe what I'm learning from that is that like in, in kind of API land, it's like, you know, stuff doesn't happen overnight. Right. Like, right. Even, yeah, no, even like if there's a new thing, like, you know, it takes a while to like kind of get up to speed. So, um, the advantage of being at a startup is that, um, you know, you're small and you're agile and you can react and you can, um, you know, taking that information and it doesn't have to be something that like, you just like keel over and give up, <laughs> you know, you, uh, yeah. you know, like, you know, keep fighting and, um, yeah. figure out, uh, how to deliver more value to, to the people that are using you. Awesome. Well, this has been extremely informative. I think Mike would agree for us oh. and, and undoubtedly for, for the audience. So Christine, thanks a ton. Um, I think, there's been we've we've pretty much covered the whole spectrum from kind of the business of APIs to the inner workings of API product companies from the business perspective and even even in the tech. So a huge thanks. This has been really informative. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's been a super fun conversation for me too. Excellent, excellent. Great to talk with you. And like Matt was saying, great great lessons learned on on someone who's been you know you really have been at this a while and really are dialed in i think to this whole communication as a service kind of communication platform so it's very cool thanks for sharing yeah for sure it's definitely you know when i wake up at 3 a.m it's usually what i'm thinking about <laughs> <laughs> awesome well i well, hope you have a, a good sleep tonight after sharing all that and and uh thanks christine thanks mike and thanks everyone for listening uh, we look forward to talking to you next time on apis on Fun.